We're in the book of Matthew chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verse 16. And I'm going to read a few verses. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 11. You say, preacher, I don't believe in eating in church. I do. I believe in eating the Word of God. We're going to, we're going to gobble it up today. Praise the Lord. Verse 16. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? Jesus is asking. It is like unto children sitting in the markets, calling unto their fellows, and saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and you have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a, de a devil, a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber and a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified in her children. I, the world, we're going to go through the rest of this chapter this morning, but the world is in a horrific mess right now. And it is ripe for the harvest for Jesus to return. Everywhere we turn, there's hatred, there's unbelief, there's Atheism rampant in the land. There's so many people that have rejected the things of God. So I'm going to ask you a question for a message today, the title of the message. So, you want to play? You may be seated. That's the attitude of the world today. The whole world's collapsing. Everything around us is in confusion. And now it's like, so, you want to play? Well, this is the last moment in our walk with God that we should entertain the thoughts of playing around. Are you listening? I hope you are. Somebody help me out there. And we need to understand that Jesus asked, how do I liken this generation? He asked the question, then he answered it. He's a good preacher. Ask a question, then answer it. And Jesus said, what do I like this generation? What do I liken it to? And uh, then he answers it and says, it's like a bunch of children that are gathered in the marketplace and they are whining about people not playing with them, not harping to their desires. Notice it says, they're like children sitting in the markets. In other words, they're bored. Children that are sitting are bored. Let me know that this generation is bored with what's going on. And that's why, they, that's why they want to play. They're bored. They don't want to sit in the house of God. They don't want to sit in the things of God. They want to go out and do things. And children hate to sit. And Jesus said they're like children sitting in the markets, calling unto their fellows, shouting across the street. And they're saying, we have piped unto you and you did not dance. We have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. Now, notice it says we have piped. That was like a little flute. And they would use a flute in a funeral service. They would play flute music in a funeral service, they'd wail, they'd cry, they'd mourn, and it, it, they would play it in a 
funeral mode. And these, Jesus said that these children, they would, uh, they would say to their fellow children, their peers, we have, we have uh, played our flute, we have made our music, and you did not mourn. We've cried, and you did not mourn with us. We've, we've, we've got together to play, but you're not wanting to play with us. Now, there's two games that the children played in Jesus' day. They played many games, but we know by this verse of Scripture that we've read, there's two games that the children played. Where it says, we have piped and you have not lamented, you have not mourned, you have not cried with us. So they played funeral. Then they also used the pipe, the flute, to pep it up, make exciting music, and weddings, a time of rejoicing, a time of celebration. And the children says, we have piped to you the music, but you have not danced with us. We have mourned, but you have not lamented. Now, John, Jesus Christ said, John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a devil. And the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man, a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified in her children. I want to start by simply saying this. The children of this world want to play, but play their way. The children of this world wants to play, but they want to play their way. They want to play church their way. They want to play theological understanding of God their way. They want to have philosophy concerning the things of God their way. When we were kids, and for some of us, you got to think way back. We used to play house. And I made sure that I was always the father. I was not about to let my sister try to put a diaper on me. But we would play house. And then Judy, my wife, used to play church. And I don't know how the dog survived in that family because she would baptize them puppies. <laughs> and she would baptize them cats. And baptizing a cat is a job. Hello? And baptizing a sinner is a job. We know all dogs go to heaven, but cats? Come on, I'm helping you out here. <laughs> I doubt if those cats got sanctified at all. But I'm, uh, my bets on them dogs got sanctified. But they play church. Someone get up and preach, and they'd, someone shout, Amen! And they'd sing, play church. When we were younger, we'd play king on the mountain. Boy, that got ugly sometimes. My sisters say, I want to play dolls. 
And she couldn't find a brother in the house after she made that statement. I was the first one out the door. Amen. In my day, boys didn't play dolls. I think they all play dolls today. But anyway, because they can't figure out what they are. But anyway. Amen. You said, well, my little boy likes to play with dolls. Go out and get him a mean, mean baby coon. Something they can enjoy. Amen. Hello. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Here it goes. But the children of this world, they want to play, but they want to play their way. And Jesus Christ said, you know, I, I just forgot. We used to play cowboys and Indians. I know, ooh, that's a woke statement. We used to play cowboys and Indians. Bang, bang, you're dead. And then the Indians, boom, you, I got you. Well, when I went out to Nevada and preached in the Indian reservations, I had Ken Paul walk up to me, a big Indian. He said, look, he said, we used to play cowboy and Indians. I didn't mention it. He just walked up to me and said, we Indians used to play cowboy and Indians. He said, you want to know who won? We did. <laughs> Amen. Come on. You can play tic-tac-toe. The only thing I play now is tic-tac in my mouth, but tic-tac-toe. I mean, I ever played hopscotch. Now, when you get older, hopscotch, you'll get your two legs crossed and you'll have problems. <laughs> but these, Jesus Christ said, I want to liken the generation that, of this generation. Jesus is speaking of his generation. How many know it? things haven't changed? And the children would gather in the marketplace and they would sit and they'd get bored and they'd say, let's play funeral. I don't want to play funeral. Let's cry and pretend. I don't want to do that. I said, well, let's play wedding. I wouldn't do that either. And Jesus Christ was saying, this is the way they are. You can't make them happy. He said, John the Baptist came. He came preaching. He came eating locusts and wild honey. He came in power a prophet. He did not eat or drink. He came in the wilderness preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. And everybody said, ooh, that's not of God. He's got a devil. See, John the Baptist was in funeral mode. All the prophets in the Old Testament were in funeral mode. For the most part, and John was the last of the old prophets, they were all in funeral mode. You want to know why? Their funeral was coming very soon. They were in the mode of repent or perish. They were in the mode of hellfire and brimstone. They were in the mode of judgment is coming. Babylon's going to crush Israel. The Syrians are coming. The wrath of God is coming. The prophets were in funeral mode. Our generation don't like that mode either because 
we don't want to hear anything that requires of us repentance. I'm talking about the generation, not you and I. We've repented, and if you haven't in this building, you'll sure wish you had before you, we get done. But anyway, uh, the, the truth is, most of the world today, and churches today, they go to the extreme. They go into funeral mode. Funeral mode. And most people re will reject that. The millenniums, the new, new children, the younger generation, they're going to reject that funeral mode. And then, not only do they reject the funeral mode, Jesus Christ comes and says, I'm going to give you the wedding mode. John comes preaching in the funeral mode. Jesus comes preaching in the wedding mode. The prophets are going to die and be buried, stoned to death, many of them, and be buried and dead. But Jesus is going to be crucified, not for himself, but for you and I, be put in a grave and raised again from the grave to come back one day to be our groom. Born again by the Spirit of God. Jesus came in wedding mode, exciting mode. They said, well, you know, he's, he's not... You know, that, that, you know I, I believe in God, but getting excited the way you do, I just don't believe in that. See, there's two, two uh, viewpoints in our generation. Our generation wants to reject the old, profound, powerful preaching of God's Word. And they say, that's not of God. But yet when someone comes along and says, Woo! Let's shout, let's praise the Lord, let's worship God, let's give God glory. And we sing and we celebrate and we dance and worship and love Jesus Christ with all our heart. The world says, oh, now that's a little much. You want to know why? The world is shy of Jesus Christ. Shy of Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus Christ come to bring us the wedding mode, the excitement, the joy, the enthusiasm. Jesus come to bring us joy unspeakable and full of glory. Jesus come to excite us and thrill us with all our heart. What's wrong with shouting in church? What's wrong with shouting amen in church? What's wrong with running the aisles with excitement? What's wrong with laughing and praising God? What's wrong with loud music and uh, uh, celebrating the life and power of Jesus Christ? What's wrong with exciting preaching? What's wrong with dynamic playing instruments and shouting and praising God? What's wrong with the wedding mode? Nothing is wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Except maybe you're a little shy, a little confined. Well, I don't want to play. We've cried, but you didn't cry with me. We've laughed and shouted, but you didn't remember laugh and shout with me. So Jesus comes and says, I'm going to bring you out of the funeral mode and I'm going to bring you into the celebration mode. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Jesus brought us out of the funeral mode and brought us into the celebration mode while the world flies on autopilot mode driven, flown by the devil. And the world just coast along. I don't want to play like you play. 
I don't want to get excited. I don't want to be a Jesus freak. I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be bug-eyed for Jesus. I want to go somewhere where they really preach hard to me. No, 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 no. Everybody wants to play their way. Well, let me tell you, friends, this is not a game. This is not a game. And the world is not to yield itself to nothing but pleasure. We are, as Christians, yield ourselves to Jesus Christ. For pleasure doesn't come from without. Pleasure comes from within the very person of Jesus Christ. Peace in your heart. Joy in your soul. Mind touched with the blessing of God. So, you want to play? I don't think I want to play. I think I want to worship God. And the world can call, call that playing if they want to, but I'm going to call it worshiping and honoring God. Was I in the funeral mode? Absolutely. And God brought me through it and into the celebration mode, the resurrection mode. Isn't that good? Woo! Isn't that good? Hey, wake up that person you're beside and say, isn't that good? It is good stuff. Celebration mode. You say, well, I'm just not used to the loud music and used to the loud preaching. Well, you can get used to it. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to, you know, if you're uncomfortable with loud music and, and excited preaching, exciting service, and, and, and a lot of going on, if you're uncomfortable with that, there's a graveyard just down the street. You can go park in your car in the graveyard and have service. Help yourself. Well, I believe I can touch God at the riverbank. Well, help yourself. I believe I, I, I've been close to God in nature. Well, help yourself. But the Bible says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as a manner of some is, but in so much the more as we see that exhorting one another, in so much the more as we see that day approaching, and I'm seeing that day approaching. And how we need to get in and serve the Lord and magnify God and give God glory. Amen? Hello? He said, well, you can, you can not go to church and be a good Christian. I hadn't found one yet. Been looking. I found a few that thought they knew it all. Amen. I know this is not popular preaching. Well, let's, let's change the subject. How about, how about, how about name that city? How about name that city? Here's another game we can play. Name that city. Verse 20 through 24. Then began Jesus to upbraid the cities, rebuke them, whereunto most of the mighty works were done, where Jesus was healing the sick and raising dead and performing miracles, because they repented not. Woe! Unto you, Chorazin, woe unto you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre or Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day or at the judgment, day of judgment, than for you. And thou Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, that's the headquarters of Jesus, 
Capernaum exalted unto heaven shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. So now we're going to name that city. In the time of Jesus, cities were very, apart from Jerusalem, the city of Gehorzon was a very um, wonderful city according to the Pharisees and the scribes and the leaders. The Jewish people looked at Chorazin as a wonderful city. Bethsaida as a wonderful city. Capernaum was their jewel on the water. And so they looked at these three cities as the children of Israel, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Those were three cities in Jesus' day. And Jesus performed miracles in all three of those cities. He performed tremendous miracles, and Capernaum was his headquarters. He moved from Nazareth to, to Capernaum. And Capernaum was his headquarters. There was massive healings and massive miracles taking place in Capernaum. And so when Jesus lists those three cities, if you were to ask the average Jewish person of that day, tell me, Three of the great cities, three of the beautiful cities. Well, apart from Jerusalem, what would be the three? And these would be the three, Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum. They were proud of them because they were port cities. They were amazing cities. And those were the cities that they would have spoke of as being great cities, right? Jesus says, okay, name that city. What is the three worst cities? The three worst cities, according to the Jewish people at that time, was Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom. They considered these three cities the worst. Tyre, Isaiah said it was completely corruptible. It was uh, pretty much a place where uh, demon spirits resided. The Zidonians were uh, pagan worshipers. Sodom, you know what they were. But anyway, it was horrific. And Jesus said Sodom and Gomorrah was buried, gone. Name those cities. And they would have named those cities, those three, three cities as the worst cities in their land. Now Jesus is going to contrast them. Six cities, Cohorzen, Bethsaida, Capernaum, Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom. And Jesus is going to compare these. Now, if we're going to do this right, name that city... What city would you name as one of the worst cities in America? What, what is one of the worst cities that you would name in America? I'm talking about city, not state, city. I heard Chicago. I heard Atlantic. I heard San Francisco. New York. New Orleans. But let me say, there's good people that lived in every one of those cities. 
There's wonderful Christians that live in every one of those cities. But those cities are overrun with putrefying sin and corruption. Even though there's good people in San Francisco, wonderful people, the city is overrun. They pay human poop scoopers $80,000 a year to scoop human poop off the sidewalk in San Francisco. How's that for the fabulous once-to-be, one one-time lady that was the Speaker of the House, her state? So what do you think about politics? Politics suck. Politics is bad as religion. A bunch of thieves hiding both of those. And there's good. There's good in church. There's good in in. Politics, there's good, but there's also bad. And what happens is Satan infiltrates like pests, like cockroaches. He comes into a city and he makes it almost unbearable to live in. So if we were going to name that city, we would name, I would name East St. Louis. I was driving East to go to a meeting, and I got sidetracked. Did you know you can get sidetracked in St. Louis? And, and I'm just driving along. Boom, I'm down in the bad part of town. I mean, Judy, my GPS, led me the wrong way. And I'm going down, and I've lost my way, and I'm down in East St. Louis, and I'm going down there, and there's about 20 people stand out in the middle of the street. And I'm thinking, huh, what's going on? I didn't know what was going on with me. And this great big guy stands up and said, let me do you a favor, sir. Turn around and go that way and never come back this way again. So I've decided that East St. Louis is a bad place. Now, there's good people that live there, I know. But if you're going to list three, San Francisco, New Orleans, <laughs> let's, let's play, name that city. Ah, oh, give me 50, 50 points for East St. Louis. Okay. Give me, give me 90 points for New Orleans. Give me 99 points for San Francisco. Oh, I want 100 points for Washington, D.C. Now, once again, there's good people. They live in all of those cities, but they are indoctrinated with demons. They want to play, but they want to play their way. They want God, but they want God made in their image. They want to make God in their image, not God making them. They want to see God as what they think God ought to be. And so Jesus Christ says, okay, your favorite cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum. He said, you know what? He said, if, if Ty, Tyre or Tyre seen the miracles seen the, the, the things that I've done, 
If they, if, if they met me on the streets, if Tyre would have met me, Jesus says, and saw the works that I'd done, if Sidon were to meet me on the street and see the works that I've done, if Sodom and Gomorrah would have just had me and saw the miracles I would have done, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But you, O Chorazin, you, Bethsaida, you, Capernaum, you are going to be brought down to hell because you have rejected the Messiah, the Son of Almighty God. I bring you miracles. I bring you great things. I bring you the blessing of God. I shout and show you the miracle power of Jesus Christ. I bring you the word of God. You stick your pharisaical nose up in the air. You reject my words. You reject my saying. I want you to know you're worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. You're worse than Tyre. You're worse than Sidon. You you are worse because you've heard the word of God. You've been given opportunity. You've turned from it. You've been playing church. You've been playing house. You've been playing. And you say, well, why won't they cry with me? Why won't they, why won't they dance with me? Let me tell you, friends, this is not a cry, a dancing proposition. This is live or die, heaven or hell. This is Jesus Christ. Seek or swim. We're going to live for God. And we live in a day that's so perverse. All they want to do is play. And they want to criticize other people, especially John the Baptist, the strict and straight-laced and Believes in the law and order and strength of God. They want to condemn him and say, that's not, that's not God, that's the devil. And then when you find a church that's excited and they tickle the ivory on the piano, they play the bass, boom, 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 boom. And they, they play the drums. I'm not going to show you my talent here. But anyway, they, they, they can do all these great things and we shout and praise God and they walk in and say, oh, this is not for me. I'm used to a more quieter, reserved place. Why? Because you're shy of Jesus Christ. You say, well, no, I'm just shy. No, you're shy of Jesus Christ. Because there's not going to be a corner in heaven that says, well, isn't that nice? Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. There goes the Lamb of God. Isn't that nice? Oh, that's so good. No, we're going to be on the sea of glass, and we're going to have a shouting time. We're going to praise God. And if you don't feel like shouting, get on your face and weep with tears of joy because God has saved your soul. I'm not telling anybody in this room you've got to shout. I'm not telling anybody in this room you've got to dance. I'm not telling anybody in this room you've got to, you've got to uh, uh, jump and shout and, and, and do like the rest of the people in the church. I'm not telling you. What I am telling you is when we do, don't criticize us. Yeah. If you want to sit there and then just soak in the blessing of God, please do. But don't criticize us if we get out of the chalk line once in a while. Amen? Because, hey, we're not playing funeral. I'm not going to lay down and let you draw chalk around me like I've... Crime scene. Because I'm going to get out of that 
chalk line. Amen. Now I'm preaching better than you're responding. Once again, I'm not, I am not promoting that everybody shout and dance. I am not promoting that everybody gets loud and everybody shouts amen. I'm not promoting that. What I am promoting is if you don't feel the need to do that, Please enjoy God, enjoy our song service, enjoy the preaching, enjoy the blessing of God, and worship God the way you feel in your heart you want to worship God. But don't criticize us because we're in wedding mode. Isn't that good? Amen. Come on. That's good stuff. Okay. So, you want to play? Well, see, we're not playing. Because there's a world out there that has a form of godliness, but they they deny the power thereof. They want God their way. They want a piece of God. They want a piece of religion their way. But they don't want to play. And they want you to play with them. And if you don't play with them, then there's something wrong with you. No, there's something wrong with them because you don't play with them. There's something wrong with them. There's not something wrong with you because you don't play with them. There's something wrong with them because you won't play with them. Because you dance to a different beat. You have a higher exaltation of Jesus Christ. You know in whom you have believed and you're persuaded that he's able to keep that which you have committed unto him against that day. Amen. Now let's look at, we've talked about name that city and some of you, you guessed the name, didn't you? And Jesus, I mean, no, you could feel the air go out of them Pharisees and those Jews when Jesus Christ said Tyre and Sidon and Sodom's better off than Capernaum and your fancy city, Bethsaida and Gehazan. I mean, no, that it was just like Jesus took a needle and And Jesus says, you're going to hell because you're not listening to me. You're going to miss out because you're not turning to me, Jesus said. Not listening to me. Wow. I didn't know how this was going to go, but I'm sweating a little bit, so I guess it's going good. (laughs) The next point I want to point out is father and son revelation. Everybody has to have a father and son revelation from God. Did you hear me? If you have the son, you have the father. If you have the father, you have the son. But if you don't have the father, you don't have the son. And if you don't have the father, you don't have the son. Vice versa, they come together. It's a father and son deal. John 3.16 is a father and son love. John 3.16 is a father and son redemption. Amen. And the Holy Ghost executes all of those blessings. But notice father and son revelation, verse 25 through 27. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven. Did you know they never called God Father? The Pharisees and the scribes always called him God. And every time they wrote the name God in a parchment, they went and washed their face, washed their hands, and got a new quill and new pen, and they rewrote God. They would use a different pen every time they'd write the word God or Lord. But Jesus comes along and says, my father, 
Oh, my father. That only meant one thing. He's the son. Notice it says, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, you know, the ones that know it all, the ones that think it all, but hast revealed them to babes, newborn babes in Christ, hungry children for God. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. The Father gave me the goods, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, Otherwise, the Father knows me. You don't know me, but the Father knows me. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So Jesus Christ is saying, the Father has to reveal me to you as the Son. And I, the Son, has to reveal you to the Father. The Father says, I've got to introduce you to my Son. And the Son says, I've got to introduce you to my Father. And that's exactly what happened at the baptism of Jesus Christ. The heavens opened as Jesus came up out of the uh, out of Jordan River. And God spoke up. The Father spoke up and said this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased and I'll put my Holy Ghost upon it in the dove. So when you got a, a nation of Israel that thinks that they've got God, no, they don't. They don't have God till they have the son. No one has God until they have the son. They have a false God if they don't have the Son. And no one's going to have the Son until the Father introduces that Son to you. Otherwise, the Father draws you. The Father gives you the revelation. No one has a Son except the Father introduce you. The Father says, this is my Son. Take Him. He'll take you places. And the Son says, that's my Father. I came from Him. Now listen to me. You need me. And you need my Father. And you can't have one without the other. It's a father and son business. Isn't that good? Okay, we're going to wrap this up, the last three verses. We're going to look at we need double rest. I'm looking at some of you right now, you need double rest. Some of you, need, some of you look like you need to go back to bed. Don't bother to comb your hair. Don't bother to wash your face. Just go to bed. Somebody told me the other day they got out of bed on the wrong side. They said, go back home, get in bed, and get out on the right side. They said they got on the, out of the wrong side of the bed. Go get out, get out on the right side of the bed. Amen. So I just can't get over it. Go to Lowe's, get your ladder, and get over it. See, days of having church where you unbutton your shirt a little bit and, and get the belly button lint out of your that's not the kind of service we have here. So you just not refined enough. Oh, you ain't heard the rest of it. Verse 28, 29, and 30 talks about a double rest. Verse 28 says, Come unto me and Ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Here we have come to Jesus. Jesus gives rest. You get rest by coming to Jesus. He gives you rest. Now, verse 29, take 
my yoke upon you. That's the yoke of Jesus. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest under your soul. So we find three words here. Take, take, learn, and find. So one rest comes by coming to Jesus. The other rest continues by taking Jesus, learning of him, and find rest for your troubled soul. One coming, you get rest by Jesus giving it to you. The other you get rest by taking and learning and finding rest. Jesus gives rest and we find rest. Some of you have the rest that God gave you when you got saved, but some of you sure need to find some rest. Let me explain that to you. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So by justified by faith, Jesus gives us peace with God. That's a peace that comes to us freely by, being, by coming and receiving Christ. But in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, or through Christ Jesus your Lord. And so that Philippians chapter 4, if you read the verses, he's talking about praying and meditating the things of God, thinking the right things, drawing close to God, uh, letting your moderation be known unto all men, uh, giving thanksgiving to God, in prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God. Think on the good things, look at the good things, and when you do that, the peace of God, which you take, the peace of God, which you learn, the peace of God, which you yoke up to, will come to you and it will pass all understanding. So one peace comes through receiving Jesus Christ or repenting of your sins and having peace with God. The other peace comes through learning and growing. Rest. Double rest. Let me give you that last verse before we close out this sermon. You need to see this. This is the, la the last verse is an incredible statement. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, it's so hard to serve Jesus. Then you're living in law. You're living in funeral mode. If you're struggling, it's because you're trying to live for God in the flesh. We're to take God's yoke. His burden is light. Don't let anybody tell you that Jesus' burden's heavy. It's not heavy. He helps us pull. You know what a yoke is for? A yoke is where, and, and, and I'm not including Jesus in this, but a yoke puts two animals together. And let's say one of those animals is extremely dumb. And I'm... Looking, no. <laughs> and one of those animals is not an animal. He's the son of God. And so we yoke up with Jesus and Jesus pulls the load. Jesus doesn't say quit. Jesus doesn't say don't work. Jesus doesn't say don't try to serve me. Jesus says serve me, but I'll help you pull the load. Amen? Amen. The other day, I, you know, I can't get over how fast these teenagers can ride a skateboard. Have you ever seen that? 
Man, they must grease lightning them wheels. And I seen one of them barreling off the hill where we live. And it's not much of a hill, but barreling off the hill. And man, it was a girl, and she was getting it. I mean, it was moving on. I thought, man, I hope she don't hit me. She'll total our car totally out. She was moving on. Then it wasn't a, 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 a well, actually, it was a, a few weeks later. It, this was the other day. But a few weeks later, I watched, and a guy's using a skateboard, and he's going up the hill. And he's doing pretty good. The next day I saw him, and, and actually he was going up the hill quite well, but he was struggling. He's kind of huffing for air. There was even one of his buddies who was carrying one under his arm, walking up the hill. But the next day later, I'm watching this guy, and he grabs a hold of a pickup tailgate. And that pickup is whoom, right up the hill. And that skateboarder is going, mm-hmm, holding on to that pickup. That pickup is pulling him to the top of the hill. I want you to know Jesus will pull you to the top of the hill. You just got to hang on. You just got to hang on. Amen. Throw your rope out there. And attach it to Jesus and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Whoa, we're gone. And that's what he's talking about, Mike. And, of course, then they didn't have skateboards, but they had donkeys and oxes. But anyway, skateboards are better. They don't leave residue behind. Dale Moody, they were, they were complaining um, there was a transition of vehicles and there was the gas and the oil leakage on parking lots and, and uh, somebody woke, uh, they were griping about the oil slicks on the parking lot and, you know, fussing about it, having to clean it up all the time from these old, old cars. And someone spoke up and said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if you had lived in the day of Spurgeon? Dale Moody. What would you have to clean up off the parking lot? Yeah, you got it. With Jesus, it's clean energy. Hello? With Jesus, it's clean solar. S-O-N, solar. With Jesus, it's solar energy. And your battery won't blow up. And it don't cost a hundred thousand dollars to get one. Give me some gas. See, I like my electric car. Well, I did too when I was a four-year-old. Electric cars are okay. I'm not saying they're not good. You know, they say you can drive from here to California on like. You know, very little, just a little, little electricity. You can go up there to, here to California for just, you know, like dollar, two dollars, all the way from Missouri to California. But the extension cord will cost you three million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
there is a catch. I said there is a catch. Don't let politicians fool you. Don't let the liars of this generation fool you. Jesus Christ is coming anytime soon. He's coming soon. Jesus Christ is going to return. And there is an all-out war going to break out in the horizon. And God is going to judge this planet. It's well-deserved judgment is coming. Woe unto those that have rejected the name of Jesus Christ. Woe unto them that have rejected the message of God's word. Woe unto them, for they shall be brought down to hell. Amen. Oh, it won't get any better tonight at six, promise you. But anyway. Now, this chapter makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It really does. People haven't changed. They want to play, but they want to play their way. And they want to criticize you if you don't play their way. No, I don't want to do it that way. No, I don't want to do that way. I cried, you didn't cry. I played and danced, but you didn't dance. Why? Because you're dancing the wrong dance. And you're crying the wrong cry. Spoiled children cry because their feelings are hurt. God's children cry because they are concerned about their soul and the souls of their loved ones. Amen. Stand with me. Well, glory. Say, well, glory. Jesus is coming. You will face him eyeball to eyeball. And he will address you. And he will know whether you have honestly, sincerely taken him at his word or that you just wanted to play. He'll know. He'll know. And by the way, you'll know too. Now, I don't think we need to go overboard and sackcloth and ashes and drag ourselves on hot pavement and beat ourselves to try to get rid of our sin. That's not, uh, that's not even Bible. I don't think we need to punish ourselves. But I do think that before you're saved, you're in funeral mode. And you've got to get out of it. And you've got to get in wedding mode. You've got to get in the mode of redemption. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So I invite you today to come to an altar and say, Lord, I know you're about to return. Lord, I know that there's things in my life that need to be corrected. And I'm not finding fault with anyone but myself. I need you, Lord, to forgive me. If you will address that in your heart, and get ready because Jesus is returning. Israel's going to keep your eye on Israel. Keep your eye on Israel. Israel's God's timepiece. Israel's God's Israel is God's time clock. Keep your eye on Israel. Don't get your eyes off Israel. Keep your eye on Israel. Because as Israel begins to face its tribulation. The church is getting ready to enjoy its jubilation.
Focus. Focus. Josh, go ahead. <laughs> 